Today, we're doing something new. Welcome to SideQuest. Hi, and welcome back to Quest Markers. On this show, we talk about video games and the stories they tell with a focus on narrative. My name is Marina. My pronouns are she, her. I'm a video game composer, podcast producer, and editor, and your host. Today, we're doing something new. Welcome to SideQuest, a brand new segment on the show. SideQuest will be a more casual, more chit-chatty segment that covers multiple games, includes community questions and comments, and of course, we'll still have guests on this segment, though for today, it'll only be me. Quick spoiler warning before we get into it, all of this will be timestamped, so you're welcome to jump around and skip any games that you may not want to hear about because you're planning on playing them. We will be talking about the Elden Ring DLC, Shadow of the Erd Tree, that just got revealed in the first trailer. Final Fantasy XIV up until the end of the main scenario quests, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, which comes out in a couple of days, Baldur's Gate 3, Bloodborne, Resident Evil 7, and again, everything is going to be timestamped, so feel free to jump around as needed. Again, there won't be any guests today, but there will be in future episodes of SideQuest, so give me a shout and let me know who you would like to have on in the future. So, as always, I'm here with a coffee, and I have a I have a sugar-free sparkling lemonade, <laughs> which is great. So I'm staying hydrated. I also have some water. I just have everything on my desk right now. I'm just a little drink goblin. Thank you for being here as always, and let's get into it. So first and foremost, oh my goodness, the Elden Ring DLC finally got a reveal trailer. And I am so, so, so excited for Shadow of the Earth Tree. A community question, a community comment, actually, we got for this was, quote, honestly, I just want to hear you talk about Shadow of the Earth Tree. I'm so excited for it, end quote. <laughs> and I'm I'm really excited to talk about it. And a quick disclaimer on community questions. You'll notice I don't read out people's usernames because I don't know if the person wants their username to be public in this way. And I don't want to individually have to ask everyone for permission. So for the sake of people's privacy, I don't read usernames out on here. But back to Shadow of the Earth Tree, I am so excited. And I'd love to first start by doing a recap of an interview that Miyazaki did with IGN. So firstly, it's been confirmed that we'll be in a brand new map separate from the Lands Between that's been physically disconnected by something. We don't know what that something is yet, but Miyazaki has confirmed that Mikola's hand will be the warp point to the Land of Shadow, which makes sense. I think a lot of people were speculating about that as well. Miyazaki said that we're following in Mikola's footsteps and tracing his steps in this new land, and we're not the only ones there, so there'll be allies and enemies both. Another part of the story will be what Merica did in the Land of Shadow and what led Mikola to follow her there. So I wonder if this is going to be more surrounding Merica and her first husband or whether this is something that happened after Mikola was born. I don't know. It's been a confirmed open world about the size of Limgrave, which is massive. And it's also been confirmed that the man with snakes and flames is Mesmer, the Impaler. And note that he sits in a chair that's exactly like one of the ones in Morgoth's boss area. So the thrones at the base of the Erd Tree. 
And Miyazaki said, quote, it symbolizes that Mesmer stands on equal footing to these demi- to those demigods and children of America who sat around the thrones and held the rooms of the Erd tree, end quote. And the story will reveal why. And I am so excited for more story. Miyazaki was also asked, how did FromSoft approach difficulty, given how many hardcore Elden Ring players there are? And it was hinted that there's going to be a boss at the exact same level of difficulty as Melania for the more, quote unquote, hardcore players. I don't know if that I call myself a hardcore player, but I'm definitely a stubborn player, so I will be going against this boss. <laughs> but because it's an open world, we're told that players will be able to tackle the DLC how they need to in order to progress. So it sounds like there's going to be a fair bit of focus on freedom, which I know a lot of players, myself included, really appreciated in Elden Ring because at some point when you could stop pushing forward in one area, maybe the enemies were too strong or you couldn't face a boss, you could go to other areas, explore, level up, find new equipment, and then come back. So I'm excited. I'm very, very excited. Um... So aside from that interview, we know that Mikola is going to be a big part of this story. Mikola's physical form, at least, is in the egg in Mog's boss area, which is going to teleport us to the land of shadow. And in the trailer itself, there's a character that says, quote, pure and radiant, he wields love to shrive clean the hearts of men. There is nothing more terrifying, end quote. And another quote that says, quote, I presume you two are keen to know just what kind Mikola is doing here, end quote. Yes, absolutely. I remember the first time that I got to the Halig tree, I was so intrigued as to firstly why there was a tree whose size rivaled that of the Erd tree. So I would really love to know more about the history of the Halig tree from Mikola himself, but we'll see. We've also got Mesmer the Impaler, who seems to be potentially the main antagonist. And given that his title is the Impaler, is he the one who impaled Merica? Is he a forsaken demigod? He has Radigan's hair. And he says, quote, Mother, wouldst thou truly lordship sanction in one so bereft of light? End quote. Presumably referring to us, the Tarnished. I saw this on Twitter and now I can't find it again, but I wrote it down. And in the Weeping Peninsula northwest of Limgrave, there's a dungeon called the Impaler's Catacombs close to a ghost who says, quote, America, Queen Eternal, he is your unwanted child, end quote. The, I mean, this has got to be referring to Mesmer, right? Question mark, we'll find out when it comes out, but I'm, I'm really excited. There's also, it seems as though there's like hand-to-hand combat that's coming out, so her Tarnished going to be throwing hands now. Um, my Tarnished is a dex build. Her name is Onion Ring, and uh, I think it would be actually really funny to see her throw hands. Um, without without any weapons. In <laughs> um, the trailer, to me, it also looked like there might be a Carrion classroom at some point that we visit. So I wonder if anything has to do with Renala or whether Renala is somehow involved. We also see, if you look at the dying tree in the Land of Shadow, it seems as though bed drapes are falling over it, but it seems as though they're kind of invisible, almost as though the bed drapes are ghosts. So I wonder if this land maybe lives inside someone's dream, if there's symbology to sleep. I wonder how St. Trina is connected to all of this. Um, But there was a community question that we got that said, uh, what are you hoping for in the game? 
I am so keen that we're finally getting more Mikola. I really want to know more about what happened between Mikola and Radigan, in Mikola's own words, and why he left the Golden Order. And of course, we have item descriptions to go off of for this, but I think it'd be really nice to hear from the character himself and to hear about why he pursued unalloyed gold. I mean, we know why, but it would be interesting to understand the process that led him to that. I want to know why he's in the Land of Shadow. I want to know what the Land of Shadow is. And also, what happened to Mog? Did he help carve a path for Mikola to travel to the Land of Shadow? Why did Mog kidnap Mikola in the first place? So I am hoping for, I'm hoping for a lot more Mikola. I'm hoping for more story. And we've already seen some really interesting, some really interesting environments. So I'm really keen to explore those and just get lost in Elden Ring again. I'm so excited. It comes out in June and I think it's going to be so good. There's so much excitement around it as well, which is really nice to see. But switching gears, let's talk about Final Fantasy XIV. I'm fully caught up on MSQ now. I still haven't watched the Dawn Trail trailer. <laughs> and I'm curious how they're going to interlink the Void story with the Tural story and whether they will at all, because that's what Post-Endwalker was about. But I do hope that the events in Tural end up being a setup to something bigger. But I think topping Endwalker is going to be very, very, very tough. Not that that's the intention of Dawn Trail, but that was a five expansion. Asian arc. <laughs> and we spend so much time in that arc. I think it's going to be interesting being in something different. So I'm keen to see where things go. And I also wonder whether we'll get a new healer class, primarily because I'm in a healer. And this is actually my first time going through an FF14 expansion release with the community because I started playing FF14 right after Endwalker came out. So I'm very excited. Very, very excited. And speaking of Final Fantasy, FF7 Rebirth is coming out in a few days. And FF7 Remake has one of my favorite combat systems. I really enjoy busy combat, and that's why I made a healer in FF14. But <laughs> in FF7 Remake, the, the combination of combat plus menus... I really enjoyed playing. Um, there's a community question here as well. Says, if you played the OG FF7, what did you think about the new take? And how much do you like the idea of going into Rebirth and not everything having to follow the OG? I did play the OG. I played the OG FF7 on Switch before I played uh, FF7 Remake. And partially because I wanted to play the original, partially because I could not get a PS5 <laughs> at the time. <laughs> I got a PS5 pretty early on, and it was one of those, like, set up a Twitter alert and just hope that you're going to hear it on time. Um, I'm really excited. At first, I was cautiously optimistic about the plot ghosts and that the story would be too different. But seeing the very few clips that I have seen, I'm really excited. But for me, above anything, it is so clear that so much love is being put into FF7, which I think makes sense both emotionally, I suppose, right? This game means so much to so many people and was a lot of people's introduction into gaming. But it also makes sense from a business perspective. FF7 is a massive flagship game for Square Enix. Um, but to answer the question, I'm I'm pretty excited. At first, I was, I was, again, cautiously optimistic, not knowing the direction. But seeing the little bit that I've seen, I'm excited to see it. And 
Now we also know that there was a reason for the re-release of Crisis Core, and now we know that it's going to be because there's going to be way more Zack in Rebirth, it looks like. And I haven't seen all the trailers, so I might be wrong on some things here, but it seems as though we're going to see an alternate universe where Zack is alive. So I wonder what Sephiroth is doing with space-time manipulation. I think that'll be that'll be pretty interesting. And Zag to me was always a really important character in the original game. But the cutscene where you see him and Cloud escaping from Shinra Manor, the basement of Shinra Manor, was optional. And you could stumble upon it accidentally, which I thought, I really thought that that shouldn't have been optional. But I mean, it is cool. It's, it's very cool if you do happen to stumble upon it. But that's a really, really important cutscene in the chronology of events. So... Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for more Zack. Zack is one of my favorite characters in Final Fantasy because he's just some guy and he knows how ridiculous everything is. <laughs> okay, I just looked it up to confirm on my Switch. But there's there's the, there's the kind of slot machine system in Crisis Core. And if you get Genesis, you can use a move called Apocalypse. And Genesis says show me the true power of soldier. And Zach goes, mind your own business. <laughs> he just, Zach is one of the greatest Final Fantasy characters ever. So I am very, very keen to, to see more Zach in Rebirth. I think that's going to be great. Um, also though, Advent Children is back in theaters ahead of Rebirth's release. So some Advent Children lore is probably going to be important in Rebirth. And Dirge of Cerberus characters came up in Yuffie's DLC in Remake as well. So I, I'm quite keen to see where they take things and how they potentially unify the story. And I mean, of course, like we know the music is going to be so amazing. So very much looking forward to that as well. FF7 soundtrack was my most listened to soundtrack a few years ago. So maybe that'll be the case this year too. But moving on, Baldur's Gate 3, I, I'm still... I want to say I'm at the start of Act 3. I'm not super far in. I'm trying to do a bunch of exploring to level up. I have so many hours in this game, and I feel like I'm only two-thirds of the way in. Um, I don't know what Act 3 is going to shape up to be, but will it just be us against Enver Gortash and Orin and the brain? Is there going to be a big plot twist? It's clear that Gortash and Orin don't like each other after the fall of Cethric Thorm, but... I'm excited to see what happens. Um, for this game, massive applause to Larian Studios. I mean, the amount of branching narrative in this game is incredible. And I can only imagine it took so, so, so much time behind the scenes and so much coordination to get right. So I think their Game of the Year award at the Game Awards was so well-deserved. Moving on to Bloodborne. I get it now. When I started playing Elden Ring, everyone was asking me whether I had played Bloodborne. And I... I get it now. Oh, it was so good. It was so, so good. Um, I'm currently doing a new game plus for a fashion run. And thank you to everyone who shared their favorite outfits on TikTok as well. I think I'm going to try and collect them all. <laughs> and I might also try and platinum the game. I just, something about the combat in Bloodborne really made sense to me um, physics-wise. So I, I had a great time. I found it... I found it a lot easier than Elden Ring, but I, th I think it's just different for everyone. And I know with Bloodborne in particular, 
a boss that one person struggles with is going to be a boss that someone else finds really, really easy. And I, I noticed that so much when I was reading about people's experiences with Bloodborne. So I thought the, I thought that was pretty, pretty interesting and seems to be different, at least than what I've been reading for Elden Ring. Um, but I wanted to read, because I feel like not a lot of people know this, because I've been talking to people about the game and even Souls veterans, some Souls veterans I've spoken to haven't haven't known this. So I wanted to read German's boss music lyrics translated from Latin because they tell a story and they go, quote, Hunter, ah, I have hunted. I did it all to cleanse my soul from evil. An insidious hunt, the wonderful darkness, or these mysterious nights. This way I knew eternal mercy or eternal misery. My hunter, let the evil be hidden from you, my life devoted to sustaining the dream, the insidious moon, the wonderful darkness, these mysterious nights. Great one, look upon me and grant eternal mercy, or great one, the great one has looked upon me and has granted this eternal misery. Hunter, take my sickly vein, my soul hurts, free me rightly, the insidious moon, the wonderful darkness, these mysterious nights. Great one, look upon me and grant eternal mercy. Or, the Great One has looked upon me and granted this eternal misery. Hunter, who hold in awe the abyss, but you are never supposed to be a scapegoat. I would swing this scythe once again to offer an end to your nightmare, but please give me an end to my role. End quote. I think that's incredible to whomever was the first person who found this. Just major, major kudos because that really is Gehrman's story. And I'm still I'm still reading and actually listening to The Pale Blood Hunt on Spotify and trying to figure out what pieces of the story I didn't quite understand. But this is very clear that Gehrman was in the hunter's dream, kind of against his will. Gehrman was in the hunter's dream and just wanted to get out and, and eventually found the dream really to be a nightmare. So... Super, super interesting. I, I love it. I mean, there's so much lore that I'm still reading about. And oh, Bloodborne was was fantastic, though. Moving on to Resident Evil. So I started playing the RE games last year. And I never thought that I would get into them because I've never been a horror game player. But oh, something about RE1 just hooked me in right away. And I love that game so much. But I just played RE5 and RE6 in co-op mode. <laughs> <laughs> the way that the gods intended. And um, it's interesting because RE5 and RE6 are very much adventure games, and RE7 goes back to horror, horror. And there is just something about the combination of first person, very little peripheral vision, the tension building, and the sound design that just has me incredibly spooked about Seven. And... They do something really interesting narratively. Spoilers for the first 20 minutes of the game. You play as a man named Ethan and his wife goes missing and he gets an email one day that says, here's the address where I am, come get me. Not sketchy at all. So you arrive at this, it looks like an abandoned ghost house and you go in and you find a VHS tape and there's a TV that you can watch it in. And it seems as though you can't really go anywhere else in the house until you play this VHS tape. And it shows, you actually play as the cameraman, and it shows uh, three people, they're producing what looks like an in independent ghost show or haunted house show. And it looks like they kind of go around and and do a 
a, a walkthrough of haunted houses and talk about them. And you're kind of going around. So you you play as the camera person. You end up staying with the host of the show. And then the producer goes missing. And it turns out in, in the room that you're in, in the actual game, as you're watching this TV, those three eventually, or I guess two, because your producer disappears, go into that room and you accidentally find a button that opens up a secret passageway. And you go in and you see your producer... Well, he's no longer with us and potentially the main antagonist or someone approaches you and the screen goes all staticky. Just absolutely brilliant design because at this point in the game, you're kind of stuck. You're like, I don't really know where to go. The only thing that I can use is this VHS tape. And in that room, you can go and press the button. I haven't done it yet. I had to take a break. <laughs> it was a lot. It's very, it's, it feels so claustrophobic because it's first person, but we'll see. We'll see how far I, I am able to stomach. But just kudos to Capcom for just experimenting and trying so many things with Resident Evil and constantly trying to reinvent the series. Uh, before we get into more community questions, I have been listening to a lot of Bloodborne music and ambient Elden Ring music. That's kind of been the vibe. I'm eternally listening to Final Fantasy XIV soundtrack. I'm I'm just so happy that Endwalker soundtrack is finally out on Spotify. So been listening to that quite a bit. But let's get into some more community questions. So we've got quote fave Pokemon starter, fave legendary, fave region, overall favorite. End quote. Favorite starter, Totodile. I mean, Totodile is just a happy little dude. <laughs> Totodile is just great. Favorite legendary, Lugia. I got silver as a kid because of Lugia. Favorite region, Johto. I think it's because silver just has such a very special place in my heart. We actually have an episode on, uh, on silver. And um, what a great, great game. I still to this day love pixel art and I I love playing pixel art games I love pixel art it's probably because I have really fond memories of playing silver when I was younger and yeah that game there's something really special about it particularly when you get to what you think is the end of the game and then the Kanto region opens and you're like wait hold on <laughs> am I only halfway so just fantastic and then overall fave this is really hard I love Raichu Partially because I played Pokemon Yellow and could never evolve my Pikachu. <laughs> so I think that was that was big for me when I got to Silver and I could evolve the Pikachu into a Raichu. But I also really love Vaporeon. Love Vaporeon. So I want to say it's Raichu, but Vaporeon is up there as well. But I feel like that it changes. It's so hard. How do you pick a favorite Pokemon? And then last question, quote, What's a game or game series you've always wanted to play, but for some reason you haven't, and why? End quote. So this used to be the Soulsborne series. I was way too intimidated by the difficulty. Although I will say, now having played Resident Evil 6, at least you can't take damage while you're in a cutscene like you do in RE6. The amount of times that I got a game over because I got attacked while I was mid-cutscene. <laughs> Just... Yeah, very funny. Um, but yeah, the the Soulsborne series, I mean, FromSoft games are difficult, but I think that's also what makes them so engaging, partially because of the difficulty, but partially because you can't pause and partially because of how detailed the environments are and the way that the games ask you to look out for details 
in your environment because that's such a big part of how they do their storytelling. So anyway, it, it used to be used to be the Soulsborne series. I've now played Elden Ring and Bloodborne. I think Dark Souls 1 is next. I'll go Dark Souls 1, 2, 3, and then probably Demon's Souls and then Sekiro. But to answer the question, I'm dilly-dallying here, it's it's Final Fantasy IX. I, I own it. I just need to find time to play it. And I know it's so many people's favorite Final Fantasy, and I don't know why. So that's very intriguing to me. Although I think FF14 will always be my favorite. <laughs> and it sucks because it's hard to get other people into it because, firstly, it's an MMO, and I think that is intimidating to a lot of people. But secondly, the main story is so long. It takes place over five expansions and probably, if I had to guess, 200 game hours, maybe more, if you're solely doing the story. So that's, you know, 40 hours times five, 200 game hours, assuming that the story for each expansion is 40 hours. But anyway, I digress. I really, really need to play Final Fantasy IX. So hopefully I can get to that at some point this year. There's there's so many good releases coming out, though, and... It's all about finding the time. But that's all I've got for today. Thank you so much for being here and for listening. If you have any feedback on this new segment, please send it our way. You are able to do that on Spotify. Of course, if you're listening on YouTube, you can do it in the comments below. Socials are in the description if you'd like to follow us. If you're not subscribed or following along, please do so that you don't miss a future episode. Thank you again for being here. I would love to hear your thoughts on these games and what you're excited about as well so that I can put even more games on my backlog. (laughs) But no, truly, there are so many great stories that have already been told and that will be told in gaming this year. So I think 2024 is going to be a good year. Thank you again for being here. See you next time and have a great day. Bye.